Coast Boys podcast. We are not dead. We were just hibernating. Uh, and, you know, I, I think there was a lot of things going on in the world. So we were just avoiding that. But now, finally, the Cowboys have awoken from their slumber and joined training camp. And I, Landon McCool, uh, follow me at Twitter, at McCoolBCB, have awoken. And so is my co host, John Owning. John, say what's up to the people. How's it going, everybody? Excited to be here. Excited to be back. It's been a while, but. Ready to fire off these takes. We've got three months worth of takes just boiling up inside me. All these takes. I don't know what to do. We have <laughs> we have to do something. We have to put them here for your ears to listen to them. Guys, we uh, we're excited. You know, it's it has been entirely too long. It's been a nice break. John and I have both been very busy with the world. Um, so we decided it was time to get back together. Celebrate the opening of training camp. Mourn the loss of the fact that it's not in Oxnard and that we no one can really visit there. Uh, but be happy with uh, with where we are. At least at least what we got. It's the distraction that we get from uh, the hellscape that we are all currently existing in. So <laughs> let's let's not waste any other time. Let's let's let, any more time rather. Let's let's get right into a position by position check in uh, with the Dallas Cowboys, shall we? All right. Uh, it's it's been a while since we went around the horn, but I think it's 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 good, and I'm glad, and I'm I'm excited to be back and, and doing this. So, let's start at quarterback. So, I mean, I think the big check in here obviously is the DAC contract, and um, I I don't really know, you know, what else there is to say at this point that the 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 deadline has come and gone. The uh, the the you know the the contracts did not appear out of thin air like we all thought at the deadline. Obviously, I think a lot of it was COVID related for uh, uh, the way the the kind of stress that it put on next season. I mean, I am so tired of talking about like the tag <laughs> contract that like I'm struggling to get these sentences out of my out of my head at this point. Um, so I, I feel like everyone who's listening to this podcast has, has heard. Uh, thousands and hundreds of hours of the DAC contract. So we don't need to spend a ton of time on this, but it was nice to see them finally talk in the, in the opening press conference. I do feel still confident that, uh, that, you know, that there is a, a, a way for them to sign a long-term contract. I really don't have much else to say there. Uh, I'm excited for Dak to be our quarterback this season. Do you have anything to add on, along that? I felt like we needed to touch on it because obviously it's a huge deal, but it, at the same time, it's such a huge deal that we've all been talking about it for literally months. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, don't really have much to add. Like, I would have preferred that the Cowboys obviously extended Dak. I don't like that they put him in a situation where the only way the Cowboys can kind of look smart here is if Dak doesn't have a good year. If he struggles, then they can kind of look like, see, it was smart that we waited, but I don't like them putting themselves in that kind of position, but... I understand it given the uniqueness of this offseason and everything that happened. So if this was a normal offseason and they didn't get didn't come to terms, I would be much more worried about the future. But I think this year is just such a unique set of circumstances that I'm still optimistic they're going to get a deal done, like you said. 
Yeah, and again, I think you know Dak sees this with pretty clear clear eyes. You know, it's, being the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys is pretty great. They were close to a structure that I think that everyone was going to be happy with. I have no doubts that they'll try. To, they'll figure out a way to get that all done. So let's move on because <laughs> there's lots of other stuff to talk about. I did want to talk briefly before we moved off of quarterbacks, though, about Andy Dalton. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it was a great signing, and 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 you know, at the time, it felt like a a, a, a really good backup quarterback signing that was you know something that we hadn't seen at that level of quality of backup quarterback in quite a while. I guess probably since Dak. I guess was, was backup quarterback to Romo. Um, but, you know, I, I think now going through the lens of having been, you know, he, he was signed after COVID and, and, I, and I remember that. But I, I think, you know, at the time we thought, well, this was, you know, convenient because soon this will be over. And, and you know, he was just he was kind of just doing something before the, it, the, the deadline ran out before any, you know, because he didn't have to travel anywhere. And. But now that we're in, like, still in the middle of this situation, and obviously it's going to be playing with us through the season uh, to some degree, I, I think having a backup quarterback has got to be really crazy important at this point. You know, I mean, if you think about just the fact of what Dak said, you know, having the healthiest team may be the difference, you know, between who wins the Super Bowl or not. So, what are your thoughts overall about uh, uh, the? addition of Dalton and how important it's going to be, you know, in this kind of COVID situation. Yeah, it's a great addition. You know, I think the Cowboys have one of the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, He's really a starting caliber quarterback. If you look at it from a 32 team perspective, there's no way you can convince me that Andy Dalton's not one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the NFL. Now he might be a little bit lower on that list, but I still think he's one of the 30, one of the 32 best QBs in the NFL, which, makes him a fantastic backup quarterback and to have that kind of insurance during this unique time with COVID-19 and how any player can kind of get knocked out of the knocked out of a a couple weeks just like that you know so it's 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 really good that the Cowboys set themselves up well depth wise kind of really across the board they've done a pretty good job at most positions I would say of being able to you know absorb a blow if somebody had to miss a few games like if some if a demarcus lawrence had to miss a couple games because of covid19 or whatever you may have it they have guys they can they can kind of hold the fort down for a couple weeks you know and they have that kind of across the board so i'm excited from that point of view it's just a smart really savvy signing from any way you look at it from a money perspective from an ability perspective from an insurance perspective just an a plus move all around Moving on to uh, running backs, uh, yeah. Speaking of positions that they've you know, kind of put themselves with some good depth, I, 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 you, you gotta love that uh, Zeke looks a little bit uh, sleeker this year, even out there running routes. Um, I, I'm, I'm obviously excited to see what's going on with Pollard. Uh, you know, I think those are all things that we're gonna we're gonna see a little bit more with with training camp, exactly how those guys get deployed in this offense and that sort of thing. But really, the thing I got, I thought that we needed to touch on here, just because it, the Zeke, Zeke and Pollard were exciting back the last time we discussed with football with y'all. The, the things change is you know the Jamez uh, uh, Wally deciding to opt out of the the uh, the season with COVID, uh, with COVID situation, and um, 
And what does that mean for who's playing fullback, or are they going to play fullback? And and I think Mike McCarthy, you know, took questions about that and and made it pretty clear that you know it's a certain degree the fullback and tight end position are kind of interchangeable on his playbooks, um, which you know I guess is not terribly surprising when you look at it. I think you know he's had good fullbacks in the past and used them as fullbacks at times, but other times he's kind of used tight ends in that position when you know kind of a move tight end off the line tight end. So. Now that Olawale's gone, you know, we have Olana Lua, we have uh, 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 Charlie T, who I think might get some some looks here. I have to think that, you know, now that we kind of got that, that word back that, that he does look at those positions similarly on his, on his, you know, play chart or when he's looking at those players, you have to think that a guy like Charlie T might get a little bit more looks maybe than Olana Lua would because of you know, obviously experience playing tight end before. But what are your thoughts on, you know, that position overall? Or is this even something that we shouldn't even be touching on because it's so it's so uh, uh, just obscure that it's it's not it's not worth mentioning? No, the obscure obscure is where I is where I live, man. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Maybe that's I've been breaking down backup defensive ends and, you know, third string three techniques all off season. It's this is where I live. Yeah. I'm excited, you know, but I, I am excited though because I've I've just been really down on Jamez Olawale taking up a roster spot on this team given what we've seen him contribute. I mean, he's not that great. If he if he was used like an offensive weapon, I could see it, but as a blocker, he's just not very impressive. And the Cowboys kept insisting on using him as a lead blocker, but not for his yeah. pass catching talents or how athletic he was and all of that. And I just think it was a really inefficient use of a roster spot. And even though Mike McCarthy might have changed that, I think the fact that he's opting out is going to force them to make that change because there's no one on this really roster. Even if you call somebody a fullback, none of them are going to be able to be a good enough lead blocker by the time the regular season rolls around that you can rely on them to to really do that. So I think it's going to be a situation where you're going to have them move all across the formation, create angular advantages against the linebackers in yeah. the passing game, You know, give them really easy blocking assignments in the run game. I don't think you're going to see them as a – as a uh, lead blocker, I think you might see them do a little bit more split zone, maybe, you know, some stuff, arc blocks, yeah, stuff, stuff like, like that. Like that. So, yeah. And that, I I mean, I'm late to the party, but I think Charlie T would be somebody who really fits that mold well. His ability after the catch is really good. He's really soft hands. He's someone who's a willing blocker. He's not a very good blocker right now, but he's very willing. And that's something that I think is, is good coming into the NFL. And it's something that Kyle Juszczyk actually said a lot coming out of Harvard was – talking about how poor of a blocker he was but he was willing to get better at it and now as we see he's one, he's the best fullback in the NFL and I don't think Charlie T's obviously going to be that despite the fact that they're very similar from a size and athletic perspective but I think he could be that kind of a very poor man's version of Kyle Juszczyk for the Cowboys in a couple years if they develop him the right way and allow him to refine his skill set I mean he just has a lot of really intriguing traits that can really create advantages in the passing game that I don't think any of the other options can really give. I mean, a lot of people have talked about Blake Bell and Dalton Schultz being kind of this H-back, but I think that gives you a little bit better from a blocking perspective, even though neither of them have been used as a lead blocker either. They've been line of scrimmage blockers their entire career. But neither of them add doesn't create any advantages in the passing game. None of them are good enough movers or good enough route runners or effective enough after the catch that they're really adding anything to the offense really in my opinion so the fact that charlie t can really add a new facet to the offense intrigues me 
Yeah, rounding out the tight end position, obviously I think we're all excited for Jarwin and what, what he can oh, yeah. do. Kind of playing the position oh, yeah, before completely. We running back, though, I wanted to mention one guy. Please. Um, I'm excited to see what Rico Dowdle has. Hmm. The yeah, he was a very interesting uh, Yeah, he's a guy that was injured a lot in college, kind of had some locker room falling concerns. Out. Yeah, falling yeah, out with, with the coaching, with the coaching staff, staff. That's right? the best way to put it. Yeah. But he's an extremely talented runner when you watch on the film. I mean, you see vision. You see the ability to run through con- contact. You see balance. You see slight elusiveness. You see the ability to set up defenders, press and cut, all those principles. He's an extremely talented runner and someone who I really look look up to from evaluating running back's perspective, Matt Waldman. And Matt Waldman had him as, like I think, his number five or six running back just from a talent perspective in this entire class. So if you can, if he can sneak his way as to the number three running back and be, it seems like the Cowboys, we don't really know what Mike McCarthy is going to do, obviously, but in the past, the Cowboys had used that number three running back to kind of be a guy who can take the bell cow role if Zeke gets hurt so that Tony Pollard can still do the, his jackrabbit stuff on the side, be a scat back and stuff. So if they want to do that from perspective, have a well-rounded back, be the number three guy, Rico Dotto is somebody that really intrigues me. And that's somebody that I think they could be effective if, say, a Zeke or a Tony Pollard, like this season they got hurt or maybe a COVID-19 situation happened. I think he's someone that can provide some really, really important depth at the running back position. At, at tight end, there wasn't, there isn't much else to report. I mean, we Blake Bell is, and Schultz are, are going to battle for the tight end two position. We're we're excited about Jarwin, I think, and and you know he's going to be a different type of tight end role. I think more of a down the field guy than necessarily the kind of you know go to guy of, at of third downs that that Witten had been earlier in his career at times. Uh, well, most of his career, I'm being <laughs> unkind. Um, I, I think that, you know, really the excitement, though, is around the wide receiver position, obviously. Um, you know, I think we saw today, even in pictures, uh, Lamb is out there impressing everybody, making one-handed catches, uh, and, and just and playing in the slot mostly. So, you know, I, I don't, there's not really a ton to update here, but I, I just kind of wanted to circle back and touch about how touch on how excited I am about having these three guys at wide receiver and allow you to, to express yourself there too. Oh yeah, I'm really excited, and I'm excited too because they can all kind of play the three different wide receiver positions. I don't think Gallup is much of a slot guy per se, but he can play both the X and the Z receiver positions. I think Lamb can yeah. play all three. We know Amari Cooper can play all three, and those mm-hmm. kind of complementary skill sets are going to allow Mike McCarthy to be really really creative with the way he deploys these receivers in green bay he was really known for his ability to create 301 with his with his creativity in three by one formations and i think bringing those three by one formations to dallas could be something that's really 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 exciting and could be a really effective option for the cowboys i mean because when you got that three by one you have if it's zone coverage you have an ability to flood zones really quickly if it's man coverage it's a really easy to run um to run well oh oh chip what what is the uh man two no when the receivers oh geez this is terrible this is terrible when your brain just fell out yeah it fell out <laughs> they run uh where they intersect with each other and, and knock off crossing the, routes and knock off the uh oh, rub pick plays rub pick plays yeah. yes, pick rub routes, yeah. yes it's easy to run pick plays and rub routes uh against man coverage and the really good thing is that one receiver that's isolated on the other side is going to get man coverage most of the time and if you have two receivers on the three receiver side on the three by one side the three side 
that means that if they're playing a single high safety, he's probably going to lean towards those that three wide receiver side because that's where the most dangerous options are. That's where the more dangerous options are. So you get a one-on-one matchup on that backside. And imagine giving Amari Cooper one-on-one matchups <laughs> consistently. I mean, there's not many DBs. With your down roster DB. That, I think that could just well, unlock his effectiveness even more. Yeah, it's just crazy. It's like it's nuts. All the all the options, all you know, and with all the matchups that you can force, depending on how you where you place these guys, it's 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 incredible what what can be uh, accomplished with that much talent. Having three guys like that, and then you know, at, like throwing in Jarwin and Zeke. I mean, those aren't those aren't guys you don't want to have the football. Yeah. You know, it's like it's I okay. Mean, it's okay to getting them the ball. It's but like those are your fourth and fifth options. Give me a break. That's amazing. I mean, the fact that Blake Jarwin might be your number fourth option, you know, is just shows the embarrassment of riches the Cowboys really have on the offensive side of the football. I think just the there's you're gonna it's tough to beat the Cowboys starting eleven on offense in this NFL. I don't think there's many offenses that are more talented from one through eleven on offense than the Cowboys are. Moving on to offensive line, uh, you know, obviously Tyrone Elsie old standbys the questions now become the guard and center the left guard in the center competition though it doesn't really feel like up front it's going to be much of a competition at center they, they basically put joe looney in at center uh and they're gonna you know make tyler biotish kind of earn that spot away from him to a large degree and especially with the you know shortened training camp that might be a tall order i i, I don't you know if he does it i think he will have really earned it that's for sure um, and I, you know, despite there being some talk that Connor Williams w- may not be able to uh, necessarily come out and practice early on, I think he was out there today with the first team at different points, uh, and they had Connor McGovern out there as well. So, you know, if you're handicapping those two races at this point, where who are your front runners, and you know, I think where where do you feel about those positions, maybe? versus where we were right after the draft. Yeah, I know a lot of people in the kind of Cowboys Twitter sphere were kind of surprised to see Looney and kind of Connor Williams get the first first start at center and left guard, but it doesn't surprise me given the given what we've gone through this offseason. I mean, the absence of OTAs and minicamps, how are you going to put a rookie with the starting team when you have Joe Looney who has the experience at starter? You know, he has the... He's already built up the continuity with all the other offensive linemen. I mean, it just makes sense to go into the season with Joe Looney given the unique circumstances and the shortened uh, training camp that they have to do. So I think it totally makes sense there. And I think the fact that people – I think people really underrate Connor Williams. They see him as a really below average left guard who can – who is really negligible. But I think he's I, – I honestly think he's an above average left guard that he just – because he's not Zach Martin, because he's not Travis Frederick or Lyle Collins or Tyron Smith, he really gets made to look like he's a lot worse than he is. But I don't think he's good enough to where he doesn't need competition. But I definitely think he's good enough that you can feel good about him being the starting left guard on this offense. And I think the fact that so many people were wanted to just pencil in Connor McGovern there just underrates Connor Williams. And I would be surprised if Connor Williams wasn't the starting left guard week one. I think McGovern has intriguing potential just with his recovery ability and his balance and his size and play strength and stuff but people forget this is the first time he's ever played left guard he has to totally 
learn new movement patterns. Instead of his right foot being back in a stance, now his left foot is being in the back. Now his inside hand is his right hand instead of his left hand. So these are big changes they are going to take time for him to get accustomed to. And the, I think that he's just going to step in and beat out a guy like Connor McGregor. Connor Williams, who's been playing that position the last two years, who's been the starter and played, in my opinion, moderately well. I think you're just fooling yourself, really, at this point. I think Connor Williams is going to be the starter at left guard, and Joe Looney is going to be the man at center, unless, like you said, the other guys really take it from them. But I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I, I, you know, I am definitely of the belief that Connor Williams is not, you know, replacement level. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I feel like he's fine. He's he's better than average, and, and he's certainly not someone that I'm in a hurry to, to spend resources on needing to upgrade. I feel like he has he has room to grow as a player. I like the way he I, – I think he's been – he was reliable when he was on the field. And I think, you know, it, it's unfortunate what happened to him with the ACL. Mm-hmm. I, I will definitely say that because I think if, if, if that hadn't happened – I don't think that it, you know you uh, go into this season with much concern about what's happening at left guard because I think he has another. Well, maybe maybe there's con, con, you know, there's conversations of it because Connor McGovern never got any opportunity. Mm-hmm. But but I think that you know Connor Williams would have been had provided another off full off season to kind of get even bigger and stronger and even kind of further you know hone himself. And now he kind of spent an off season uh, uh, you know. With just kind of rep- repairing his ACL and getting back up to speed, and, and and that's fine. I think that you know he still is is going to take that job because he has experience at this point playing you know at guard of the NFL and Connor McGovern, uh, you know is basically a rookie. You know, I mean he, he didn't get very much work at all. Certainly not during you know the the early portion of training camp. It's and 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 that sort of thing. Yeah, and he then, didn't take a single snap during all of camp. And then when think. he and then when he came back, he was he got a lot of practice work, but n- never anything in a game, as far as I'm I'm aware, right? Like so, uh, yeah. I don't. I just wonder if you know this this kind of simplifies things a little bit for kind of working, and maybe if the COVID situation was different, then things would be different along these lines, but. I think that things being the way they are, you kind of have to start with a stable position, and that includes Looney at center, Williams at left guard, and then if Biotish and McGovern are so good that you can't keep them off the field, you don't ignore that, but you you, you make them really have to earn those spots. Mm -hmm. So um, let's move on to the other side of the ball, the safety position. I think there is some interesting things here. Obviously, you know, we're looking for Xavier Woods to have a breakout season. I think he kind of showed us something early and then kind of tapered off last season, but I'm really looking for another you know, season of that here. Uh, we, we heard from HaHa Clinton Dix today who spoke to the media and he was, sounds you know, like an interesting guy and just, you know, wanted to kind of get a, a fresh spot to start and was interested in coming back to, to work with coach McCarthy. And it, it feels like it's pretty clear that HaHa and Xavier Woods uh, are going to be the starters here and that that's where we're starting from. Uh, but I, I obviously, uh, while saying that, you know, d- you know, Donovan Wilson did have an interception in practice again, showing up all over the place. And then, you know, a, there's been talk about a Wuzie and potentially, you know, Worley playing at safety as well. So, talk me through what your thoughts are, what they're going to do at the safety position at this point. It, it does feel like Woods and Aha are, are up top, but 
do you think they'll rotate out these guys a lot, or do you think they'll look at some three safety looks, or what, what, what's the future of the safety position? I think it's all on the table. I think Mike Nolan and what they've made apparent this entire offseason is they're going to be adaptive to the opposing offenses they're going to see. So if they see an offense where they think three safety kind of defenses would be more effective – then yeah, I, I could see them totally doing that. But I'm really excited to see what Xavier Woods can do this year in a defense where it's not as predictable for the opposing offense. I mean, it's something we heard consistently last year from opposing quarterbacks was how easily, how they knew what the Cowboys were going to do basically every time they were snapped. There was not really any nuances really thrown in or really any surprising looks that they got throughout a game. And when you have that, it's really hard for safeties to be productive if the quarterback knows where they're going to be every on every snap. So I think now that you're going to be bringing more trap coverages, more split safeties, they're going to be mixing it up. They're going to be disguising coverages a little bit more. Xavier Woods isn't going to play only deep. He's going to also play in the box, and they're going to move everybody around and really be matchup-based. And I think that's going to allow him to really thrive in this defense. When offense when quarterbacks don't know exactly where he's going to be he's going to be able to find himself near the ball a lot more I think and I think you're going to see him be a little bit do a little bit better job of converting and causing turnovers than he has done in his Cowboys career up until this point moving on to the quarterback position um where are we? This is one of the interesting, <laughs> the, probably the most interesting position on the entire roster for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just because of the combinations are interesting, and and frankly, I mean, you, you mentioned in your explanation of the safety position, I, you know, if the idea is to get pass rush focused and then work on matchups week to week with your defensive backs mix and matching, I really love the defensive backfield that they've assembled, and you know, especially with what they had in mind. You know, you saw that uh, Maurice Canaday did opt out for COVID reasons, and that's something obviously worth mentioning. Uh, but I, you know, even without without him in the fold, they still have quite. Uh, if, if they don't have an elite guy, they do have quite an assortment of very, you know, I would say above average talented cornerbacks that you know maybe need some experience, maybe need a new opportunity, maybe they just need to be given the correct assignment or the right assignment to kind of best play to their traits Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it all starts with Trayvon Diggs at this point it seems clear that they're going to make a a, a concerted effort despite some other positions that uh, you know that that he is going to be uh, the the starting left corner or at least one of the guys that's going to rotate in early on uh, potentially with uh, someone like Worley or or, uh, you know Jordan Lewis maybe Um, so I, I guess where do you think we are at this point you know, like I mean, I think it, it, who, where, what do the other positions look like to you, and, and and who would you, how do you gauge those horse races at at the other cornerback position and the nickel nickelback position? I mean, it's just interesting. I could see it playing out in so many different ways. I still think that Shadobi Awuzie is the most talented corner that we have. I just think if you you need to clean up his ability to to at the catch point, really, if you can have him be more successful at the catch point and maybe that'll be due to playing more coverages that suit his ability more maybe taking him a little bit off press allowing him to soft shoe allow him to play from from depth from off coverage a little bit more stuff like that will allow him will mitigate those kind of issues that he had with his back turn the ball at the back turn toward the ball back turned away yeah. from the ball sorry at the catch yeah. point those little issues so um, i'm interested to see where he goes and of course the moonlighting at safety really intrigues me i don't know I don't think it means what people think it means, that he's going to no. be like this deep safety, you know, that's going to yeah. be playing split. I think that what that means is if there's certain matchups against maybe 
slot exactly. receivers or certain kinds of tight ends that they're going to move him inside, maybe play him more in the box in that kind of box nickel dime safety role, allow yeah. him to match up with players, kind of like what they did with Jordan Lewis against Alvin Kamara in the past. I think and that's, that's actually more what, what you'll see from him if they for the safety conversion that they're talking about. Yeah, I, that, that's actually what I was going to kind of bring up before was you know are we are we overblowing the depth chart you know at the quarterback position because is it is it more going to be about a week to week matchup mm-hmm. thing you know and, and you know one week Awuzier's your starting right corner and then the other other week. Well, I mean, you know, he's probably mostly going to function in that role. And then you're, you're right. Like, there may be packages where third downs, you know, when they deploy, they go out against, a, uh, you know, a, a Travis Kelsey type or, mm-hmm. or you know, th- those kind of players. Maybe you want to put a, somebody specific, Worley, or somebody specific on those, you know, mm-hmm. really uh, uh, good receiving tight ends or, or really good receiving running back. You've got someone that you'd like a matchup kind of like you mentioned with Jordan Lewis. I, that's why, you know, I think it's – you know, it's so interesting where we are with, and I asked, and that's why I asked it like this: is that, you know, we can we can have a conversation about starters or about you know first corner off the bench, first you know first corner there and there. I do wonder sometimes though if it isn't just going to be so matchup specific that maybe maybe you know I, I do think that maybe yeah like Diggs is gonna if if Diggs gets good that he'll likely be the left corner regardless, mm-hmm. but but I do wonder if like the rest of the situation isn't kind of you know dependent on who they're playing and 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 you know a lot of the the kind of hybridization of what we discussed or what we've been talking about it's about it's not just about oh we want this guy to play cornerback and to play safety uh so we can necessarily you know have him play you know free safety and also have him play right corner i think it's you're right it's it's more about Hey, this is a guy that we want you to cover uh, during the games. He's not a wide receiver, so we're going to kind of deploy you in sort of a safety positioning. But you're really going to have mostly, you know, man coverage responsibilities, and then, you know, maybe a different spill spill of responsibilities as a mm-hmm. run defender. Right? I mean, like, when you it, think it, about it, it, that's really the biggest difference between a cornerback and a safety versus these kind of spread sets or these sets where they're using running backs and tight ends as receivers really a lot is the difference is that he's going to have a run responsibility now that he didn't have at corner at outside corner you're mostly just locked into your guy there's very few coverages where you have to do much in the run game i think like tampa two cover two you're an outside force player against the run but by moving him into the box it just means that he's going to have a little bit more run responsibilities and i think that he can he could be good. I think he could be good enough there, especially because the situations they're going to put him there are going to think aren't going to be likely run scenarios. So yeah. I think all in all, it's just going to be something that he's already been doing, just with a little added little wrinkle. You know, it's not yeah. safety. It's he's not going to be playing safety like I said that we all think yeah. of as a safety. Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not a move to safety necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's it's lining up as a safety on speci- in specific scenarios in order to get a matchup that you're looking yep. for. Essentially. All right, let's move on to linebackers. Um, unless you got something else at, at cornerback. No, no. I uh, Just watch out for Daryl Worley. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if he earns a bigger role than where he's kind of been the forgotten guy right now, but I would not be surprised if he you know, earned a role in this rotation. I would be surprised if he was a starting corner, but I'm not going to be surprised if you see him get a lot more run than you would expect from somebody who's like maybe number three or, or number four or number five on the depth chart, quote unquote. Yeah, I think he's the really the guy that's interests interests me as the kind of matchup piece, mm-hmm. right? Because he's so big and he has experience t- covering some of the best tight ends in the league. Mm-hmm. 
so yeah, I, I, I definitely keep an eye out for Worley. Um, linebackers, uh, is this bounce back, back season? We, you know, we've since we've met, we've we've heard from Leighton Vander Esch, who's you know that that was a lot of what we were talking about. We just uncertain about no one's heard from Leighton. We don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's not super active, or you know, uh, 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 they probably don't get super... internet in Riggins, Idaho, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so we didn't really know what the update was with him, and and, and he and he did get interviewed by the media just recently, so we did get to see. See him, and he did talk about the injury, and, and frankly, he seemed is uh, kind of trademark annoyed that it was even a question, yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 he said he's going to have a little piece that he's going to wear on the inside of his pads to kind of help, but he's passed the surgery. He's he thinks it's going to be okay. You know, Daryl Johnson had a similar had a similar kind of neck surgery and was able to finish a career. So it, it, never good to have a neck injury. Never ever good. But uh, you know, hopefully he can you know continue the rest of his career and make some adjustments, add some padding to kind of take the pressure off of that part of his neck when he to shock absorb a little bit. Uh, but you know, hopefully he's going to be able to continue on his on his kind of all pro path that that he was set up on his on his rookie year. Are you looking for uh, looking forward to a bounce back season? Do you think these two linebackers are going to thrive under the you know the Dick Nolan defense and, and and what he was he's been able to do with linebackers off the ball linebackers throughout his career, and and also do you think that we have the best depth in the NFL at this position? Well, I thought we had the best depth at the position last year, and that kind of made pie fall on my face and it's not really much different this year so I can't you know unless I was lying last year I can't really say that they don't have at least amongst the best uh, linebacker room in the NFL this year I think Pro Football Focus even rated them as a number two which was surprising to me given how they performed last year but I think what really is interesting to me is that they move Leighton Vanderesh to the Mike position and move Jalen Smith to the, to the will. Now that in nickel defenses, that's not gonna change much of a difference because with only two linebackers on the field, really they're they're like he said in the like Leighton Vanderesh said in the press conference, their responsibilities aren't all that different. But on the snaps where they are playing in base, you know they are playing against the twelve, the twenty-one personnels. It's gonna it's interesting because that means that they're. It shows you what this coaching staff believes the strength and weaknesses are to the linebacking crew because that they obviously believe Leighton Vander Esch is the is the bigger, stronger guy who's a better at taking on blocks, and that they want to keep they want to protect Jalen Smith a little bit with that three technique. You know, they want to they don't want him to be immediately encumbered by offensive linemen climbing to the second level. So I just really thought that was interesting to where you can kind of already see how this defensive coaching staff kind of foresees their linebacking group, their strengths and weaknesses. I thought that was a really interesting little detail there. And as far as Jalen Smith, I want to see him rush the passer over 100 snaps this year. I think given his skill set and how effective he is rushing the passer, I mean, he's one of the most effective blitzers in the NFL from the linebacker position. And the fact that he, I think I wrote about it earlier this year and I can't remember exactly, but I think he rated like he had the 16th most pass rep snaps among off-ball linebackers. And I think that's just way too low on the list given his skill set. And I think that's with Mike Nolan, how much he likes the blitz, I think if we can get him above 100 snaps, get him playing forward, you know, using his burst, using that speed, using that power to be an effective pass rusher. And like I said, create those one-on-one matchups across the line because when you're rushing five and an offensive line, obviously they're doing solid protection. They only got one guy for each, you know. And then you maybe yeah. you got a back who can chips one of the three, but you're 
giving one-on-one matchups for everybody. And I think that's going to create advantageous pass rush situations where the defensive line can really eat. At defensive tackle, uh, the you know the injection of talent from the free agent market is uh, palpable at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, two two top end guys. They added a third round uh, defensive tackle. They bring back Tristan Hill, who uh, you know had a rough year last year, but I still have hopes for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, you know we we'll talk about Everson Griffin. Don't don't worry. <laughs> uh, uh, but but when the when you think about it, they. The bringing him in really co- does kind of further free up guys like Tyrone Crawford to potentially take some more snaps inside on pass rushing you know downs if they want. Yeah, we saw him. He the first day of practice, he was the three technique with the starting yeah. defense. So yeah, it's really so maybe it's even a full full time movement. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Like so, um, but I, I, let's you know now that we've gotten a kind of a good look at what our depth chart looks like, or at least the the people that are in there. And, and I should mention Antoine Woods finally signed his exclusive rights free agent. Wasn't it an exclusive right? Yeah, I mean, ERFA. I, I, st- I don't want to go off a tangent thing, but is anybody ever kind of mis-evaluated their value more than Antoine Jeez, Woods please. in the defense attack position? I don't know, man. I'm sorry. Oh man, don't, uh, don't even just, get me started. Uh, I, I don't I don't you listen I, I I feel for him because the exclusive rights free agent tag seems brutal because mm-hmm. they have complete control over you there it might as well they might as well just have you under contract but at the same time like because of that you know just you, know, you just kind of need to sign the deal yeah. and, and and move forward especially with the new coaching staff it's like yeah anyway so <laughs> where do you th- how do you think now like this kind of all shakes out I mean I, I heard before we Mike Nolan mentioned that, or maybe it was Mike McCarthy, but one of them mentioned that they like to have six outside guys and four interior guys, mm-hmm. right? Do you think they go long here, or do you think you know how, how do you think that plays out? Because frankly, if you're just looking at four guys, you've got two you know rookie young players in in, in Gallimore and, and Hill, and then you've got two vets, and that's your four, right? Mm-hmm. Like. How, do you think that's what we do and, and that's where they go or what's your thoughts here yeah you know I'm really excited for what Don Terry Poe and Gerald McCoy can bring just their well-roundedness the big thing about them that really helps over the defensive tackle crop that they had last year is their ability to play the run be consistent in that area is really exciting but yeah you know I think one thing that people are overlooking they kind of have Tristan Hill and Neville Gallimore kind of put in this battle for the backup three technique position behind Gerald McCoy but don't be surprised if you see Tristan Hill taking some snaps at the nose and competing a little bit with Antoine Woods for that backup nose tackle position behind Don Terry Poe. He's a big guy. He has size. He has the explosiveness. And, you know, he's never been someone who's that good taking on double teams or really angle blocks. But there is not a better coach in the NFL at teaching two-gapping technique taking on double teams than Jim Tom Sula. So I'm excited to see what Tom Sula can get out of Tristan Hill. I mean... Tom Sula just has a litany of guys that he's developed that were back end of the roster guys when he started who became really quality stars. I'm thinking about guys like Matt Ioannidis with the Red, yeah. with the Washington football team. He yeah. was somebody – I think he was, what, a six-round pick when he came in? And just every year, Tom Sula kept working with him. He was kind of his pet project. And now Matt Ioannidis is one of the better uh, three, four defensive ends in the entire NFL, in my opinion. He's really strong And look who he's there. playing and, around. 
I like like he's 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 earning snaps against guys that were first round picks and everything. That's that's how how well he got developed. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> ask Zach Martin and Lyle Collins about him yeah. last year. They he was one of the yeah. few guys who had some success against Zach Martin and Lyle Collins last year. So if Tristan Hill can stick around long enough that he can stick with Jim Tonsula and he can be kind of Tom Sula's pet project, kind of like how we were hoping he was going to be with Rod Marinelli last year. I'm still think that he can become a really capable player in the NFL. I know last year wasn't good, but he still we still forget how intriguing his skill set is. He's a much more well-rounded athlete than Neville Gallimore was. He still was an extremely explosive and powerful guy at the opponent of attack. He just needs some refinement in his technique. He just wasn't a technical player last year. But he still has all that physical talent that is waiting to get unlocked. So if we get Tom Sula here, who's more of a technician with those with hand techniques and in the fit, and he really understands weight distribution, all those little things that work for those interior linemen, I'm I'm still excited about what he could bring to this team. I'm not writing him off yet. I'm not I don't think he's automatically gonna be cut like I think a large portion of this fan base believes. One hundred percent. And I, I completely agree. And I I you know, e- even before you know, whatever reports came out today, and I, I read somewhere else that he was giving interior offensive linemen trouble. Yeah, McGovern. Apparently, he ragged McGovern, on McGovern yeah. a couple times today. Uh, as you know, I think I think if if nothing else, I mean, I, he I I have been saying all off season, let's not give up on him. He, I I understand why people are generally kind of down because of the idea that. Uh, uh, you know, new coaching staff and didn't really produce very much under the coaching staff that got him. But I, I, this is a guy who's got a lot of talent that and that didn't go away. And he's an extremely, extremely young player. Mm-hmm. So there's still there's still lots of time for him to. Yeah, he's to, younger than Gallimore still. Yeah, he is. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's talk about defensive ends. Um, I, you know, I know. Finally, uh, let's not skip the the main event. I want to talk talk about how excited Bradley I am I, for Demarcus I know, I know the <laughs> for Bradley and I. <laughs> I want to talk about how excited I am for Demarcus Lawrence this season. Uh, and I think with a full off season, without having to deal with shoulder surgery, uh, well, I mean, as much of a full off season anybody gets this year, yeah. uh, and and you know, just with a collection of other players who obviously we're going to bring up as well in this discussion. I'm really excited for what, to see what he's going to do in this defense. I'm excited to see what he's going to do with these new teammates, both inside and outside on the defensive line. I'm excited to see what D-Law is, is, is going to produce uh, in 2020. Um, and then, obviously, please, let's hit on, you know, uh, specifically Randy Gregory, Alden Smith, Everson Griffin, obviously, and then and then uh, let, let's say Bradley and I as well. I think let's let's talk about all 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 four of those guys, but let's start with D Law. You know what what makes you the most excited out of all of this? What what do you think provides him the most opportunity? I think the scheme change is really the most exciting thing for him. I think uh, obviously him being healthy and everything. I think he's gonna get back into the double digit sack range. I think he's going to quiet all the haters this year. All the haters are going to jump out my mentions finally about how DeMarcus Lawrence (laughs) is overrated. They paid him too much, blah, 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 blah. I can't wait for him to shut them up. Um, And I'm really excited about what this scheme change is going to do and by bringing more blitzes. An interesting thing, uh, this offseason, I was lucky enough to be able to participate in Von Miller's pass rush, or not participate, listen into Von Miller's pass rush summit while they were doing it. And a really interesting thing that they talked about is how 
Clayus Campbell was talking about why he was so excited to sign with the Baltimore Ravens. And the reason why is because they blitz so much that it's going to create more one-on-one opportunities than he's ever had in his career. And he's really excited to see how productive he can be with the with many more of those one-on-one opportunities. And that's the mm-hmm. exact same thing with Demarcus Lawrence. I think with Nolan calling more and more blitzes, I mean, his defenses have always ranked kind of toward the top of the league in blitz rate. And that's just going to earn Demarcus Lawrence a plethora of one-on-one situations. And as we saw even last year, he's still he, he is extremely tough to block one-on-one. If you're not sliding toward him, if you don't have a back chipping him, He's going to be a handful for any offensive tackle in the NFL. He's too good with his technique. He's too slick with his setups. He's too efficient with his footwork. He's too strong at the point of attack. He's just too good in all these different facets not to give them fits. And I think when you're putting him in a situation where last year he was one of the most double-team defenders in the entire league regardless of position, now this year I would expect him to be kind of more towards the middle of the pack. And that should lead to a lot more production from him unless the guy on the other side beats him in a race to the quarterback. And as far as the other guys on the on the roster, uh, you know, obviously Randy Gregory, we're still waiting to hear if he's coming back. Um, but I, there's been some kind of reports maybe indicating that that may be happening a little bit later than we all expected, but maybe still happening. Uh, Alden Smith, obviously, we've talked about uh, extensively on here already. Um, and I, so really, I wanted to finish out with uh, with well, the, we'll finish we'll, we'll, we'll set up the, uh, the, the, the Everson Griffith conversation and that will set up the actual main event, the final thing we talk about, which is uh, kickers. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm just kidding. Fin- finish us out with, with your, your thoughts on, on Everson Griffin and what and what is he you know what is he? as a player at this point in his career, what is he going to provide for the Cowboys? And, and, and what is, what makes you the most, ex- you've been, you've been blowing this horn all off season. Like we've mentioned before on, on the locked on Cowboys podcast, since, you know, he opted out of this contract. What, what is it that makes you the most excited about him actually be joining on the team? Besides the fact that at most he would cost the Cowboys $6 million. <laughs> I mean, just the fact that contract was just kind of the the cherry on top. I I had been advocating for the Cowboys to sign him since dating back to, like you said, when he opted out of the Minnesota Vikings. And then when you throw on, I was already ecstatic enough. And then you tell me that it's only $3 million guaranteed, $3 million in roster bonuses, one year, $6 million. I mean, mean, it's tough to beat that. That's just a steal of all steals. And... The reason why it's a steal of all steals is because he's still a really, really good defensive end at 33 years old. He's well-rounded. I think a thing that he gives you that Robert Quinn didn't give you last year is I think they have similar pass rush ability even though they do it in a much different way. But Everson Griffin is really a capable run defender. He's someone who on the front side of runs, he sets a strong edge with length. He creates separation. He can get off blocks. He can backdoor run plays when they have a when they have an outside linebacker playing the strong edge and he gets a little bit more freedom. On the back side of runs, he can, run, he can chase down the line of scrimmage. He's not as... I don't want to, anyone to think that he's like some amazing run defender like Demarcus Lawrence, but he's a very yeah. capable above average run defender and who's uh-huh. going to make the entire run defeat run defense as a whole much more consistent you know just having a guy unlike Robert Quinn who we saw who had a lot as good as he was as a pass rusher he's kind of equally struggling against the run during a lot of plays 
And just as a pass rusher, he's a guy that can win inside, he can win through, and he can win outside. We all know about how good his spin move is. But he also could bring power, and he also has the ability to win on the outside with hand knockdown techniques as well. You know, he's someone who mixes up his setup, mixes and matches his setups really, really well, so the offensive tackles are off balance. They don't know what's coming, and he understands how to set up moves throughout a game. He'll hit somebody with power, 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 and they come with that inside spin. Then he'll kind of show like he's going to go an inside spin, and then he'll do an outside hand knockdown technique. He's really good at that meta game of pass rush, and that's why he's able to be a consistent guy who's putting 60-plus pressures per season. That's because he's just, from a mental standpoint, he's just far superior than most pass rushers you see in the NFL because at this stage in his career, he's not really super athletic. He's not a guy that's going to bend and contort his body around the edge. He's kind of stiff, actually. He's not the fastest guy he's not the quickest guy but he just conceptually gets it better than everybody else and he has a couple moves that he's just refined to the point that they're really difficult to stop so i mean just go back and look at the cowboys game against tyron smith last year he beat him with three inside spin moves and tyron smith never gets beat by the same move twice i mean that just shows you how good and how effective of a pass rusher he is how well-rounded he is as a run defender he's just someone who's going to be such a great addition to the Cowboys pass rush. And I'm really excited too that he's not going to have to play the volume of snaps that he played with Minnesota. I think he had over 530 pass rushes last year with Minnesota, which is an absurd, really absurd amount. That's guy. I would even say that's too much for even somebody of him. I think if you could bring that down to kind of 375 to the 425 area of pass rush snaps, he'll be able to be fresher later in the season. He'll kind of sustain his production throughout the entire season. And man, I'm just really excited. I'm just really excited. And like I said before, I think the fact that he's on the opposite side of Demarcus Lawrence just is going to yeah. put offensive lines and pass protections into a pickle. Who are you going to slide to? Who's going to get the chip? Who's going to get a tight end help? Because you can't you can't chip them both. You can't double them both on every play, especially when you have Gerald McCoy rushing in the middle and stuff like that. So I'm just excited for all the difficult situations they're going to put pass protections in this season that they weren't able to do last year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the the thing that you mentioned is about Robert Quinn and and how uh, you know, the the pass rush skills you know, even though they're quite different, they're they're similar in quantity or quality mm-hmm. rather. Um and 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 but I think that the, the major difference is how versatile, how much more versatile Griffin is. Mm-hmm. The fact that he can play the run. So what this is actually providing you is a lot more stability on you know your early downs, mm-hmm. you know, because you're going to be able to put a guy out there that if you, if they're going to run the ball, uh, you know, because at this point you have it's almost like you have enough pass rushers, mm-hmm. right? Like as far as guys that are just you know, because I feel like with Alden Smith, you know, you're, you're that's where you're going to try to focus on him is getting being a pass rusher. With Randy Gregory, if he comes back, you know, likely he's going to be relegated early on to pass rush situations. The fact that you get a guy that is not just a, oh, well, that's great to get another pass rusher, veteran guy. He can actually be trusted to be out there and play the run. And, and then maybe you do, maybe you actually take him off the field for third downs at times because that's the way that you get him snaps off, right? Mm-hmm. He can still get the pass rushing moves. You can still rotate him in. Yeah, they're but still I think passing down first and second down exactly exactly (laughs) yeah and and i think that's where like 
that conflict, those early downs where you know the league is still throwing the ball more, you're going to get pass rushing opportunities. But they're also going to try to run still on, on often on first and second downs. I mean, because that's how some teams still do it. So I think having a guy like this who can provide you that opportunity, you know, safety on the other side of the of the line from Demarcus Lawrence in another, you know, quality balanced defensive end player. I think you know, and then again, just as a as a as a pass rusher in a in a multiple defense, it, it, it's a it's a home run, and for them to get that at at you know a uh, pennies incentives up to six million. Yeah, I like how Marcus most. said it last week or yesterday. They got him for wide receiver three money. That's great. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So uh, yeah, kudos to the Cowboys. Kudos to the front office for pulling it off. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's just. I think you and I just said it. I mean, we were talking with Marcus Mosier, if, if you're not unaware of we're talking about, uh, from Locked On Cowboys, the three of us, and and, and the excitement, you know, that, that like football's back or training camp's here. This, you know, Everson Griffin being signed and what that means for this defense. And I don't know, like, I think we say it a lot, and I think we say it probably every year, but, like, the excitement this year, you know, I think it's it's – despite all the other terrible stuff that, and maybe that's what it is you know John is is in the face of all the terrible stuff that's going on right now like to have some something to be excited about you know to have some excitement around the team it's just been really great these last few days and really been awesome to kind of get back into that and you forgot how much you needed football you know it's like it really has been refreshing and fun to kind of get back into it uh, and with that very sentimental mush, I'm going to say goodbye to everybody. <laughs> and uh, you guys, make sure you follow us on Twitter at McCoolBCB, at John Owning, and at Best Coast Boys with a Z at the end. Special thanks, as always, to Papa Fish at Fish Sports. Make sure you catch us on si.com forward slash NFL forward slash Cowboys. Uh, you can also always download us on uh, your whatever, I, whatever podcasting app you use on your iOS, iPhone, or Google Play Android. Uh, And until next time, happy trails, everybody.